Welcome back to Dads on the Air, coming to you around Australia on the Community Radio Network. In this program, we bring you informing and entertaining conversations with a wide range of interesting people on topics of fatherhood, family and parenting, and men's and boys' issues. Hi, I'm Bill Cable, and our guest today is Kirsten Matthew, who is an editor and a journalist. Uh, She has uh, been living in New York City for the last nine years or so living the, the, the great life of going to restaurants and writing about food. And uh, since then, she's decided to come back to the, her homeland in New Zealand, just outside of Auckland. Kirsten, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Now, Kirsten, you've written this new book called The Greatness of Dads. Yes. I'm just wondering why you chose to write this book. Well, the book actually wasn't my idea. It was a friend's idea. And he had the idea because he thought there's a lot of once-over-lightly cheesy books about mothers and fathers out there to buy, but there wasn't something that he wanted to buy his dad. Um, Now, he's not a writer, so he came to me with the idea and said, I think you should write this book, and that's where it came from, really. Now, this uh, Mark Ellis, he's not the footballer Mark Ellis by any chance, is he? He sure is. He's the ex uh, All Black New Zealand Warrior League player, and now he's hung up his rugby boots and he is uh, an ideas guy. He has ideas, great ideas, every single day. And we've been friends for about 30 years, so I was lucky that he gave this great idea to me. Well known in Australia. I think we called him Cowboy Mark Ellis, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> So you had this feeling then, you shared it with Mark, that, that dads may have been overlooked. Yes, that was his feeling and I agreed with him and I wanted, it was really, really important to me to create something that was full of real stories. Um, my background's in journalism, so those are interesting to me and that it looked really beautiful, that it didn't look like something that was, not thoughtful and considered and it didn't feature imagery of dads of all sorts. Um, I think we see a lot of sitcom dads out in the mainstream media and in our popular culture and I sort of wanted to create something that had a deeper layer to it than that. In your experience, would you say that, um, that most dads are in fact great? I think... There are as many types of dads uh, as there are types of personalities. And I think that whether a dad's great or not, even as the research showed me, if a dad's not present, he has an impact on a child's life. And I think also your feelings on your dad, on whether he was great, terrible or otherwise, change as you change and as your life experience informs the way you think about things. So I think probably everybody when they're a little kid thinks their dad's great, whether they're around or they're not around. And then I think that changes and evolves and 
you know, in the case of my dad, he became a better dad as an older man. But of course, I thought he was a great, I always thought he was a great dad. So I think it's complicated. The story about your dad is in the book and, and also uh, Mark Ellis's dad, uh, they're both uh, feature. Yes. Yeah, the, the book also, I mean, you've interviewed, I think, 31 people for the book. 33, and, yeah. 33. 33 people about their dads all over the world. So I've sort of covered off every continent and hopefully almost every type of relationship because there's people that never knew their dads, there's people that were and continue to be really close to their dads, there's difficult relationships, there's all sorts in there and um, all sorts of different cultures. But what I did was, and what I wanted to do, was I asked every person the same question so I could sort of see the differences in relationships and cultures and um, hopefully pull out some of those profound experiences that come along in that father-child dynamic. Yes, you mentioned there were 33. Were there some that uh, finished up on the cutting room floor? There were some, but maybe only one or two that uh, that happened. I, I really do find everybody's story interesting, and I think if you can sit with someone and their story long enough, eventually they'll tell you the most interesting thing about it. And I was really, really lucky that the people that I chose to interview were were really forthcoming and honest and were able to sort of connect to the emotional level of relationships fairly quickly. So I think there was only one or two that, that didn't make it into the book, which was a pretty good strike rate. Yeah, it is. And there are some uh, really interesting people, just to give uh, our listeners a, a bit of a taste. I mean, it ranges from uh, Peter Fitzsimons, who's well-known in Australia, yeah. uh, Matt Moran, the uh, the chef. Then you've got the yeah. international celebrities like uh, well, Barack Obama, uh, Sammy Davis yep. Jr., F. Scott Fitzgerald, and interesting insights into people like Johnny Cash and and Bono. So it's a, yes. it's a, something you can just dip into, and you can get a bit of inspiration. And for the dads, it's uh, it's certainly uh, uplifting to read your book. Oh, great! Yes. So the thirty three interviews are everything from people like Matt Moran to teenagers that live on the other side of the world and then the where the President Obamas and the Nelson Mandela's of the world come in is I've researched letters they've written to their kids and quotes they've made about their dads and other stories and pop them in there along with poems and song lyrics and all sorts of other things about dads. It's a very interesting mixture, and how did you come up with that particular mix? Was it just inspiration? Yes, I wanted to support the real interviews with stuff that wasn't cheesy sayings about Dad or things that everybody knew about dads that were sort of pearls of wisdom that I found through my research that were worthy of entry. So that was that was quite a big task, and it meant to, you know getting thousands of quotes and poems and photos and things like that. And then it was a bit of a jigsaw, really, spending a couple of months 
pulling out the diamonds, putting those in, mm. making sure we had the right imagery to support that. And I sort of art directed every page with the graphic designer who worked on designing the book because I had such a clear vision right from the beginning of how I wanted it to look. I also wanted to span the time. So you'll see that there's vintage photos, there's current photos, there's texts from dads from, you know, the past year to their kids. There's really old quotes about dads and Greek mythology. And I really wanted to get a good spread in there. It's kind of making it sound a bit like a textbook, which it really isn't, but yeah. there is definitely a historical element to it. Beautifully presented. The photos are magnificent, and at the same time, I think it gets you thinking and uh, could perhaps lead on to some more research into this area. Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe the platform lends itself to looking at relationships with other family members, you know, so... Mm. It could be a series. Well, that that would be great. And we're speaking with Kirsten Matthew, who is the author of a new book called The Greatness of Dads. We're going to take a short break now. We're going to listen to a song, I think, uh, on the topic. It's by The Furies and Dave Arthur, and it's called The Old Man. Have all been shed now We've said our last goodbye His soul's been blessed And he's laid to rest It's now I feel alone He was more than just a father A teacher, my best friend He can still be heard In the tunes we shared when we played them on our own Now I never will forget him For he made me what I am Though he may be gone memorously long And I miss him, my old man As a boy, he'd take me walking By mountain, field and stream He'd show me things not known to kings And secret between him and me Like the colours of the pheasant As he rises in the dawn And how to fish and make a wish Beside a holy tree Though I never will forget him For he made me what I am Though he may be gone memories linger on And have I miss him, the old man
I thought he'd live forever He seemed so big and strong But the minutes flying The years rolled by For a father and a son And suddenly when it happened There was so much left unsaid Thank you, good night, take care And that was The Old Man by The Furies and Dave Arthur. And we're speaking today with Kirsten Matthew, who is the author of a great new book called The Greatness of Dads. So, uh, Kirsten, we were just uh, talking about some of the characters that you've put in in the book. Um, I notice also that you present both sides, like in some instances you have the dad speaking and others you have the child speaking. Yes, and a couple of the dads I interviewed, they talked about their dad and then Mm. they talked about becoming a dad. And I thought that was interesting to ask them how their father had influenced their relationship with their children now. And I think that that's a profound influence, but it's also what I got from those interviews was the signs of the times as well because being a dad has evolved from what it was Certainly when I was growing up and my dad was, you know, he was a breadwinner, he went to work and he was much more of a shadow figure than my mother, for example, who was at home. And nowadays dads don't parent like that, do they? They tend to be much more involved in their children's lives and they attend cross countries and they have the kids by themselves and their wives often work so they share the childcare. So it was quite interesting to get those insights from new dads about their dads and how they parent. In your book, uh, you follow the trajectory really. It's the first uh, chapters uh, about young love and then it goes right yeah. through. The uh, You've got one chapter, Daddy's Girl, and another one, Boys Will Be Boys. Do you think there is a difference in the way dads respond to their daughters and their, their sons? Yes, I do. Um, I don't think it's intentional. I think it's almost subconscious. Um, my dad only had girls, so I didn't grow up with brothers and I didn't see how he would have treated a boy, but he was definitely uh, softy when it came to his girls. And when I see how my male friends interact with their children... I think they tend to be a little gruffer with their boys than they are with their girls. And I think that if they're anything like me, girls can tend to wrap that around their finger a little bit easier. Yeah, it's a very interesting relationship, the the relationship between fathers and their daughters, I think. It's so important. It really is. That first fundamental male relationship in your life, I think, informs all of the others. I've talked a little bit about that in the past with regard to my father because he was so interested from a very, from when I was quite a young age in what I thought about politics and current events and what was happening in the world and um, psychology and things. I really did grow up in a house where my opinion It wasn't valued, and I didn't get to make the rules. It was very traditional, you know, your parents are the boss. But my my father was very interested in what I thought about things, and that really affected me. And 
it affected me when I went out into the big wide world and had my first job and started out in journalism, where typically, which typically has been a male domain, and I was confronted for the first time by these men that weren't really interested in what I thought, even if I knew more than anybody else in the room. And it was a real shock to me because my father was so supportive of mm. being women being educated, of, you know, he used to say slightly tongue-in-cheek when we were very small, girls can do anything, girls can do anything, girls... And so I really, really grew up and felt and believed that and um, I, I just think that's so important for a girl. You sometimes hear boys, and I think there's even a quote in your book about uh, boys saying that when they're in their teenagers, they think their father knew nothing, and then when they get to about 21, they're amazed how much they've learnt in the meantime. And uh, (laughs) is that different for girls? Oh, I think every teenager thinks their parents are ridiculous at some stage, and I definitely went through that phase. I think that, you know, psychologically, we detach from the parent of the same sex more than of the opposite sex. So I was sort of always a bit of a dad's girl, even in those difficult teenage years. But I'm, I mean, I'm sure I cringed at some of the things he did. <laughs> yes, you, you don't spare the dads on the in the clothing area, and uh, I suppose in, no. the, in the music area there are some uh, dubious tastes out there. Yes, yeah. I mean, I was kind of lucky because my dad is a very, very well-dressed man, and he's, you know, he's quite chic, really. But a lot of the people I interviewed were had mortifying stories about their father's dress senses. I hope your dad's listening to this. <laughs> Sometimes, though, on the other side of the coin, the, the child might think, I don't want to be like my father, and it can sort of be a reverse inspiration, I guess, to, uh, to yes. do things differently. Yes. I mean, one of the men I interviewed in the book... He, his father was murdered when he was, I think, 11. And so he didn't really have, he never had a chance to form an adult view of his dad. But he knew from that young age, from before his father died, that his dad wasn't a great dad, that he wasn't sort of around and he didn't support the family as he might be able to. And so he talks about that and how he chose not to be like that when it became his turn to step into the breach and support his mother and sisters. But he also talks about getting to his 20s and having a sort of compassion for his dad, I guess, Mm. and seeing that um, his dad had, you know, constraints against him that impacted on what kind of dad he could be. So I think that's really interesting. And I think that's what I mean when I say that whether a dad was around or not, he has a profound effect on the child. Well, speaking of profound, one of my favourite quotes in the book is from Spike Milligan, who said, uh, my my father had a profound influence on me. He was a lunatic. Yes, and Uh that just makes me smile because my dad would love that (laughs) so much. If I said that about him, he would just find that so humorous. But yeah, that is, you know, it's tongue-in-cheek, but it's probably a little bit true. Mm, I think so. Uh, And there are some interesting insights into some other well-known people. Um, I was intrigued that Johnny Cash, who we think of as, you know, such a successful singer and 
a major world figure, and yet when he was asked, he said he wanted to be most remembered as a good father. Interesting. I think that, you know, I think a lot of these dads probably weren't perfect dads. I mean, there's been a movie made about Johnny Cash, isn't there? And he certainly didn't toe the line in every way, shape and form. But it's such a responsibility, that relationship, isn't it? And you can't be a dad and not feel that responsibility, I don't think. We said earlier how you've come back from New York and now you're living outside yeah. of outside of Auckland. Did your father's influence was that in any way in any way a cause of your coming back to Auckland? Uh, well, my dad was very influential in me going because he really does seem to think the sky's the limit for me. So when I was thirty and I was working as a journalist in New Zealand and I'd sort of got to where I wanted to be, I thought maybe I'd go and try somewhere with a bit more of a dynamic publishing environment, and he was extremely encouraging of me. You know, it was quite a mad idea to go to New York where I had no green card, no citizenship, and no friends, but he was really supportive of that, and he was extremely instrumental in me staying there, actually, because about six months into it, I'd spent all my money, I was having trouble getting a job, I hadn't made many friends, I was extremely lonely, and I remember calling home one Friday night and starting to cry and saying, Dad, it's so hard, it's so hard, and he he was really, really tough with me, but it was the perfect thing to do. He said, get yourself together, get off the phone, and get on with it, and that sounds so harsh but he knew that was the way that's you know I'm quite a challenge driven person and he knew that was how I would respond best and I took it on the chin and that's exactly what I did and I was there for 10 years and you know I achieved a lot of my career goals there and then when I started to think about did I want to stay there indefinitely or did I want to come home my parents didn't influence that at all because they would never ever want me to make my life decisions based on them. But for me, being closer to them was something that was going to enrich my life. They get older, as we all do, and they were getting older, and they're still fit and healthy and in their own home and everything. But, you know, they were starting to slow down. And I'd come home every year for a couple of weeks and it was getting harder and harder to leave. So they definitely were a big part of my decision to move home. But if I ever said that to either my mother or my father, they'd be mortified. They'd like to think that, you know, I'd made the decision. I wouldn't consider them in those sorts of decisions. Yes, well, I'm glad you did if it uh, played a part in writing this this wonderful book, The Greatness of Dads. There was one, just one quote I wanted to mention too. I love this one where a woman says that when she was a young girl, she pretended to be asleep so he would carry me inside. I thought that was mm. a lovely quote. Well, Kirsten, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're speaking with Kirsten Matthew, who is the author of a new book called The Greatness of Dads. Kirsten, I wonder if we could ask you uh, to pick a song. Maybe tell us why you'd like that particular song. Yes, so my song choice is King of the Road by Roger Miller. And the reason I picked this song was I would like to have a song for my dad. And my dad is a great party guy, great, loves music, loves 
sitting around talking, loves, or he did love, he's getting a bit old for them now, late nights and lots of people. And we, on the weekends, we spend a lot of time, you know, with friends over and at parties and going to barbecues and having people to stay. And so this song I remember being on heavy rotation back in the 70s. It was probably the mid-70s, probably when I was five or six. But I particularly remember one Saturday morning, we were all at home, the whole family, and this came on, must have come on the record player, and I can remember dancing with my dad in the lounge, a sort of a, a waltz, I suppose, to this song. So I thought that would be a fitting song for today. Trailer for sale or rent Rooms to let 50 cents No phone, no pool, no pets Ain't got no cigarettes Ah, but two hours of pushing broom Buys a 8 by 12 four-bit room I'm a man of means by no means Third boxcar, midnight train Destination banger, main Ooh, worn out suit and shoes I don't pay no union dues I smoke old stogies I have found Short but not too big around I'm a man of means by no means King of the road I know every engineer on every train All of the children and all of their names And every handout in every town And every lock that ain't locked when no one's around I sing trailers for sale or rent Rooms to let 50 cents No phone, no pool, no pets Got no cigarettes, ah, but two hours of pushing broom buys a eight by twelve four bit room. I'm a man of means by no means, king of the road. Trailers for cigarette, rooms to let fifty cents. No phone, no pool, no pets. I ain't got no cigarettes, but two hours of pushing boom buys a... That was King of the Road by Roger Miller, specially chosen for us by Kirsten Matthew, the author of The Greatness of Dads. So, Kirsten, it just remains to me now to uh, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you for coming on to Dads on the Air. Thank you so much for having me. And don't forget, we'd love to hear from any of our listeners. You can go to our website, dadsontheair.com.au, and send us an email, and we'll be in touch. If you'd like to listen to this show again or any of our shows, go to our website, dadsontheair.com.au, or you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter. And so that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with another show on Dads on the Air.